Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we are talking to Steve Taplin. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you here, Steve. Steve is the CEO at Sonotify Technologies. Uh, Sonotify is a premier IT services firm, really that provides clients, I would say, uh, the expertise in almost every cutting edge area of technology, whether it be cloud solutions, web and mobile applications, e-commerce, big data, DevOps, Q&A, IoT, machine learning. I'm sure there's probably many things I'm forgetting, Steve, but we'll, we'll definitely cover all those things off in the discussion. Uh, I'll cut you some in- slack in the beginning here, Van. <laughs> but but uh, before we get into Sonatify in more depth, uh, Let's let's talk about your background a little bit. Tell me a bit about yourself and your career. I, I already like you more because I know that you're a Chicagoan. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure it's not the Mike Singletary jersey behind me that gave it away. But um, and thanks again, Bant. I uh, I grew up in the Chicagoland area, born and raised. Um, grew up uh, in exciting sports era with the Chicago 85 Bears winning the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl shuffle. And that was also when Michael Jordan was leading the Bulls. And I was probably at 20 or 30 games with Jordan and Pippen. And it kind of ruined basketball for me after after that era. Um, But grew up in the Chicagoland area. um, Got my undergrad degree from Northern Illinois University in uh, a business and computer information systems degree um, and started my career at this small company called IBM and uh, <laughs> was part of, at the time, a uh, what was called the e-business hosting group, which was kind of the cutting edge of the internet, of internet commerce at the time. Um, and I also got my MBA degree. Uh, while I was uh, started my career at IBM, and I got that in entrepreneurship. Oh wow! And I'm a happily married man, two children. I uh, have a daughter that's getting ready to go to college next year, and um, my passions are around my family, around technology, around entrepreneurship, and leadership. That's excellent. I mean, I, I, I'm excited to go through some of those in, in more depth. And uh, certainly, I think you and I are of the same era, the, the Super Bowl shuffle and uh, watching all those both amazing, that old, Bant. <laughs> yeah, all those amazing Bulls games and uh, probably of the same era where we get annoyed when people even think that LeBron James is as good as Michael Jordan. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about Sonotify. I mean, you guys are working on really amazing stuff. I'd, I'd love to hear the, the, the path of the company and, and really what you guys are focused on right now. Sure. And when, when I look at, and, and I've had a passion for technology and, um, and, and everything around it and have, uh, worked at large fortune 500 firms, as well as, uh, for 13 years, I, I ran my own tech-based private equity firm. And when you look at technology as a whole, so many things have become commoditized as we're here in 2021. Um, As a company, 
having your own data center, your own servers, your own dedicated networks is no longer a value. Um, all of that's been pushed to the cloud. You're not going to differentiate yourself by doing that. Um, big software as a service firms have dominated certain features where it doesn't make sense to even compete with them. So what that leaves from a technology perspective for any company across any spectrum is your enterprise software and your custom end user experience that you are creating for your users. And when you look at technology now, that's one of the few areas where a company can distinguish themselves from their competitors. And that's what we focus on with Sonatify Technology is we help um, enterprise software teams. Um, our, most of our clients are, are based in the US and have core teams, software development teams in the US. And we provide resources out of Latin America that um, offer what's referred to as nearshore software development support. That's great. I mean, I, I would say that um, over the last uh, year with, with the pandemic, um, we've seen obviously uh, the way the technologies, technologies are employed by companies increase uh, multifold. And I can only imagine that some of the new channel challenges that you guys are, are facing. Um, but I mean, in those, all those areas that you are working on right now, where do you see some of the most interesting activity? I mean, I, I saw that you guys are touching in the machine learning space and you're, you're an IBM guy, uh, obviously the, the Watson, from Watson uh, to whatever you guys are working on today, I'd be curious uh, how, how that space is evolving for you. So certainly there are some cutting edge activities going on with uh, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, as well as um, security is always top of mind in this industry with everything going on. Um, and, you know, one thing we have found um, is to differentiate yourselves as a company, you're typically building a lot of that internally. And um, our company, Sonatify Technology, will often support teams um, around those cutting edge areas, but we're, those are kind of some areas that we are in an assist role as opposed to a lead role, where our company is primarily focused is on the, the, the newer technologies that companies are used around cloud-based technologies, whether it's AWS, Microsoft Azure, or Google Cloud, and whether it is web or um, mobile type development and all of the tech stacks that support those features. And, you know, it is interesting um, in, in the current environment and based on how rapidly technologies are changing to be considered an expert or a senior person on any technology is typically now only three to five years experience because with newer cloud-based technologies as things are evolving, um, it, legacy, although there are many legacy apps that exist out there as things keep coming up, um, it's not people who have 10 and 20 years plus experience in a technology just because it's evolving so rapidly. And that's where comp uh, companies will often tap into resources like Sonatify Technology to help yeah. supplement those skills. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on the nearshoring structure because uh, as someone who has developed a lot of technology in, in my career, we've done it. We've done it every which way. You know, we've offshored, we've built teams internally, we've tried to nearshore, 
And I imagine uh, someone like yourself has has figured out some best practices and some some good advice for folks as they they navigate that type of a solution. I mean, tell me tell me the advantages of the nearshore structure and um, where people get it right and where people get it wrong. Sure. And so when you look at technology as a whole, I'm going to start broad and I'm going to filter my way to to your question, but. Uh, IT outsourcing in general became very big in late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, biggest offshore location has been India for and other uh, parts of Eastern Europe and throughout Asia Pacific have, have certainly grown. And for many IT functions, especially where you need 24 by 7 support, that it is a great situation to have a what's called follow the sun model where you can have support 24 by 7 all around. But fast forward to enterprise software development with newer technologies. The way things work right now, the way that software is developed, the way that engineers work, you don't have the ability to have somebody work all day and pass it off for somebody to continue throughout the night. Um, because at any point while you're developing software, you need to be able to collaborate real time with your team. You know, do we go this way or do we go this way? Um, Which route should we go? How should we do it? And there's typically anywhere from one to 100 decision points every hour when you're developing software that can go in any direction. And so where the nearshore industry has really evolved and become more popular Um, It started around 2015, 2016, where a lot of the large um, corporate companies have set up nearshore operations um, throughout Latin America. Costa Rica has been a very big location. And the idea was that you're getting good, talented English-speaking resources that operate on the same time zone um, as your core team. So nearshoring and that term and is, is, is meant to be aligned with working on your same time zone, having English proficient um, team members, both written and verbal, that you're collaborating with at a, about a 50% price point of what you'd pay for the this, this similar resources in the U.S., well, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, I think anybody who's gone through development, uh, the development process, they're always trying to find ways to do it more efficiently and, and effectively. Um, but you know, wh- where do you think uh, folks are able to get the management and that connection right? Uh, and, ro- and where do they go wrong sometimes in terms of working with the teams inside of a company and externally? So it is interesting. And um, one of the things that the, the COVID pandemic did for the software development industry was it completely changed the game. And um, so uh, when you would look at small to medium-sized businesses throughout the U.S., prior to the pandemic, many of them had the strategy of putting everybody in an office building together all your software developers, same location, working together, collaborate, where a lot of the larger companies before the pandemic were were working in a more distributed model. But the pandemic forced the remote work environment for all companies. And um, certainly um, as we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel coming out of this pandemic, 
I personally don't think we'll, we'll go back to how it was. I think we'll go back to a hybrid approach. But what that did was open up to the small and medium-sized business market that, all right, I can't have my software developers in the same room. And so I need, and I have all these projects and I have so much budget. So how do I get the biggest bang for my buck? And so through the COVID pandemic, um, we saw it really, the nearshore software development concept really gained traction in the small to medium-sized business category because they were forced to work remotely and they found that they can um, find great resources at a lower price point to help them meet their project and budget constraints. Yeah, it completely makes sense. And uh, it's very, very needed, especially I think the time zone thing is so critical for a lot of digital businesses, which are dealing with kind of like um, real time applications, especially with e-commerce and things like that. Um, well, it's so interesting, Ben, because uh, I'm out talking with CTOs, CEOs, uh, other software development executives. And when I meet someone for the first time, if they haven't gone the nearshore route, they're dying to hear about it. They're dying to hear about it because it's the same story. And um, the, the US-based teams, um, right now, there is more software demand than there is software talent. And in the US, software talent is very expensive. In fact, to hire a junior software developer, whether it's out of school or only a year or two experience, it's going to cost a U.S.-based company anywhere from ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand a year, fully burdened for that resource. And then once that resource has two or three years' experience, they are significantly more valuable, and it's hard to retain them because they're going to want significant pay increases. And so every every company in the U.S. that has software development teams, they're having a hard time getting talent and retaining talent. Now you add the fact that when you have offshore resources that are supplementing, those US-based resources are working till midnight, every night, depending on the time zone they are, so that they can have a few hours overlap with their offshore team. They're going to bed and they're crossing their fingers, hoping everything was done. They wake up eight hours later and it's not, and they have to wait eight hours to talk to those resources again and rinse and repeat. And a lot of companies have lost good software developers because that model is burning them out. And it's not because I'm saying resources are better nearshore versus offshore. I'm saying you get that constant collaboration is key to success in, in modern technology. Yeah, I think I think what what, what I, I'm hearing is that there are some you know, really some benefits with uh, kind of a nearshore, even an offshore model. But uh, the reality is that maybe maybe some of the human limitations, you know, like maybe maybe. Maybe the reality is that we're still talking about human beings that have to overlap mm -hmm. and have to collaborate and, and find ways to work together. It might work much more effectively and efficiently in the nearshore, in the nearshore structure. But um, I'm curious again. You mentioned a little bit about uh, your thoughts on on the post-pandemic era. But before we get there, tell me a little bit about how the company evolved over the last year and how you stayed sane in this whole the whole this whole crazy time. So, you know, and that's a very fair question. And it's, um, we are one of those businesses that the pandemic brought significant opportunities for us. Um, and with that, 
we and businesses like ours, and whether you were nearshore or offshore, you always had to have physical locations in these other countries that employ your employees and team members would come to and collaborate with. And so obviously with the pandemic, uh, it had everybody working from home. So my first concern was, all right, our employees and our team members going to be able to have quiet workspaces in their house that they can work from? And is their internet bandwidth going to be strong enough to be able to do Zoom calls and have Slack going and be doing email? And it was actually a phenomenal experience for us. And midway through last year, we shut down all of our off office locations. And it's allowed us to expand our business significantly because we um, the work from home model has worked very well. And don't get me wrong, all of us, um, me included, um, are going a little stir crazy staring in Zoom calls all day and just being uh, re remote. But on the flip side, it's amazing how much more quality of life that you have when you don't have to worry about commuting an hour or, or more each way every day, where to go eat lunch, you got to walk to your kitchen and it might take you 15 minutes first if you're in the office and you're going out and it's an hour and a half. And it's we've seen it lead to outside of the stir craziness with which we are focused on trying to make things fun, um, having a fun, motivating environment um, and, and always having each other's back. It, it has led to more productive and happier employees. And so I think sometimes in the US we take for granted because work from home in the US has been so common for very long. Um, but in a lot of nearshore and offshore locations, these people never had the opportunity to work from their house. And they're just loving it. Um, and so um, it's, it's been a positive thing for our business. And we've been able to adapt by going fully remote and virtual. I, uh, I love that. And I, I was chatting with a, a woman who's a senior partner at a law firm uh, yesterday, and um, you know she's she she had almost the identical things to say. She was loving loving working at home, but her firm was uh, was pushing hard to get everyone back into the the office, and um, she she highlighted that. That, that just avoiding the commute alone was uh, a huge godsend for her because you know, lawyers operate on a billable basis, right? An hourly sure. billable basis. So she said she was finding an extra three and a half to four hours every day, you know, avoiding that commute. So uh, I well, and Ben, was, you mentioned yeah. earlier that you live in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine the time you save <laughs> uh, working from home. Exactly, exactly. So, um, I mean, you, you talked about the remote structure and, and, and how that's working for your business. Um, and, and I imagine like all of us, you're making plans for the next phase, you know, what, what the rest of this year will look like, what next year will look like. Are you guys going to stay virtual or how are you going to manage that? Um, so great question. And I'm asked that. And, and, and if you, if you can't answer that's okay. No. I know a lot of folks are still working it out. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, my, my response to that is for the next year, I do expect us to remain virtual. Um, and post a year, I could see us going to a hybrid environment, not like it was before, 
but a hybrid environment where we have remote operational centers that team members will have the opportunity to go to maybe a couple, mm -hmm. once, twice, three times a week. Um, one thing in the U.S. that we, I think we take for granted is how aggressive um, COVID vaccinations have been and how well the U.S. is doing versus internationally. And also a lot of um, throughout Latin America where our engineers are, um, the situation is not uh, underhand and controlled the same way it is in the U.S. And so um, realistically, uh, they're, they're when we start going back in the U.S., I would expect nearshore and offshore locations to be 12 to 24 months behind us based on wow. their rollout of the vaccines. So that's where really my prediction comes from as far as when we'll get back and how we'll do it. Yeah, that's really, that's actually quite helpful and insightful. I, I you know, we, we have offices around the world and um, we've seen the same challenges. Uh, Spain is just really getting out of lockdown and um, India is obviously going through a, t a terrible, terrible moment. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, there's certainly challenges around the world and we'll see how those things play out. But, you know, as you guys look forward as a business, um, there's so many hot topics and, and certainly you guys are working on many of them already. I mean, what, what do you think is going to dominate the tech discussion over the next year, year and a half and uh, for, for some of your clients? So I, uh, I am biased in that realm, but um, outside of kind of the key buzzwords around machine learning, artificial intelligence, and then security, which will always be a concern. When you push those aside, it's about your custom user experience and how that's going across web and mobile. And mm -hmm. we have companies from manufacturers to healthcare and life sciences companies all the way through fintech companies. And it's across every industry. And especially as this hybrid work from home environment is, is gonna continue to be around, that just makes that custom software, that custom experience even more important for capturing and retaining your clients. And so I don't see that changing. And as technologies keep evolving, um, you know, there's always gonna be a need to keep innovating, to stay ahead. There is a yeah. trend uh, in the software development space of what's called no code or low code environment, yeah. which allow our environments that allow business people, non-programmers to be able to do some programming functions. And I do see that increasing um, in the next 12 or 24 months. I could, I never, I don't think it'll ever completely re replace the need for software development and custom software development. But I could see in a year or two that consuming maybe 10% of the, the market around that. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting area. We, we've been looking at that a lot lately ourselves, uh, no-code, low-code structures and how that actually is going to impact development. Um, it does seem to be kind of like taking a steady stream. People are, st are, are allocating like a couple of projects in that area and see how it, how it works out. So that makes a ton of sense. But Steve, I've got the most important question for you. And this isn't going to be something that all of our listeners going are going to understand. I mean, you being in Chicago, and it's a, a big, big discussion here. Is it Giordano's, Lou Malnati's, 
Carmen's, Uno's, which is the best? Well, for a true Chicago, and that's not even a question, it's Lou Malnati's. Come on. <laughs> my, uh, my wife and I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona in 2001. And um, it's funny because in Arizona, there are a lot of Midwest people um, that are here. And some of the iconic um, Chicago restaurants like Lou Malnati's and Portillo's have come out uh, to this area over the past five to eight years. And so you have spring training uh, here in Arizona, which um, the Cubs have a beautiful mini replica Wrigley Field that yeah. they do it at. And sometimes you don't know you left Chicago. Yeah, I, it's incredible. I, I mean, I know that I've come down there and seen a lot of folks that even that grew up in Arizona, and I guess WGN used to broadcast, or probably still does broadcast down there. So they, there's a, there's definitely a Chicago pipeline down to Arizona. Well, listen, Steve, so good to talk to you today. Um, we've been talking to Steve Taplin. He's the CEO at Sonatify Technologies. So Sonatify is a premier nearshore IT services firm that provides IT, its clients with expertise in cloud solutions, web and mobile applications, e-commerce, big data, DevOps practices, Q&A, IoT, and machine learning. Um, it's been it's been really great to hear your perspective on how things are evolving, Steve. Tell me a little bit about I mean where someone can find you. What's the best place to connect with with you and Sonatify? Uh, our website www.sonatify.com and that's s-o-n-a-t-a-f-y.com. Great. Well, listen, Steve. Thank you so much for being on on Cage today, and look forward to talking again in the future. Thanks, man. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Cheers.